talk show. Hi there, my name is Susie Warren-Smith and for the next 30 minutes we're going to be talking all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenter AJ Sharp who is a taste expert. Hello. I mean, if you had lots of jobs like coal mining, you know, bus driving, whatever, you taste food as a, as a living. It's pretty tough. I know. Every day. Mm. And uh, AJ is a judge for the Great Taste Awards, which is just as well because we have a plethora of award-winning products in front of us today. I know you, you're a, a judge on lots of other awards too, and you're a food writer, and you're a managing director of a, of a food and drink PR company, Sharp Relations. We're going to talk about fermentation today. I don't really, I don't know much about it, but it's quite a lot in the news, isn't it? And It's a lot in the news. It's a real hot topic, isn't People it? People are writing quite a lot. What is it? Fermentation. <laughs> Shall we ask our experts who are here today? Uh, so we have Andrew Dufer. Good morning. The name, Andrew. Thank you. Of the Slow Vinegar Company. And Andrew and Sarah have bought the most amazing uh, uh, mixture of vinegars that they have. We actually, they actually bought about it seems like a hundred outside. So we've we've chosen six. We could I could have actually tasted them all because they're they're amazing combinations of flavours. They look like, don't they? Beautifully bottled as well. Um, but we had the hard task. So we've 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 chosen six of those. So we're gonna we're gonna go through those. We do want to ask you about how you make vinegar. Mm. That sounds stupid. Just take it for granted. Mm. Uh, and we've also got Claire Styles of Peter's Yard. Now I buy Peter's Yard crackers. All the time, Claire, because they are a bit head and shoulders above the rest. I think, Agree. in many respects, that's good to hear. Yeah, no, no, I'm seriously, uh, and I particularly like the sourdough one. And again, that's about fermentation. Um, mm. I don't even know how you make a cracker. Actually, do you know how to? I make? assume it's baked. <laughs> don't know. We can ask Claire later. Is it baked? Yes, it is baked. Uh, no, it's baked. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for that. So let's start off by talking about vinegar. Before we go on to all your amazing varieties that you have there, Andrew, how what is fermentation and, and, and how do you make vinegar? Okay, so um, vinegar is derived from alcohol and the, the two fermentation processes that we use to make the vinegar. First of all, we use an alcoholic fermentation, which is um, taking a raw ingredient, say wild garlic, and adding to that yeast and sugar. The sugar works on the yeast and makes the alcohol. That's the first alcoholic fermentation. So that could be like gin or it could be like beer. It's, it's yes, so yeah. Process. And for every kind of culture around the world who's made alcohol, there's a, a vinegar that would go with that. So malt vinegars from beer, wine vinegar from wine, rice vinegar from rice wine, etc. Um, the second part of the fermentation is to take the alcohol and turn it into acid. And to do that, um, there's a bacteria that's sort of naturally found in the air called acetobacter. 
and essentially that works with oxygen um, to transform the alcohol into acetic acid. Um, so those are the two types of fermentation that we that's use to make. That's a completely natural uh, process. You're yeah. just aiding nature in, or, in exactly, order. Exactly, exactly. I think, um, you know, if anyone's left a bottle of wine out for a few days without the cork on, it starts to take on this vinegary taste. And that's that's essentially what's happening. The natural uh, bacteria in the air are, that's are working. wine that tastes like vinegar, even though I've <laughs> left the top off. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so it does happen naturally um, and industrially it's a really sped up process um, but we're trying to um, just tame it a little bit and guide guide that fermentation in a slow way not really really slow but um, a mid-pace sort of way of, of so, so you're saying that in an in, in industrial sense they speed up the process mm. so, so it, how does that work then so vinegar mother is added the culture the, the, the bacteria to do the transformation but then um, it's aerated with oxygen in big tanks uh. and um, it can happen in a sort of day to three days sort of turnaround whereas ours are taking more like a month Hence the name slow vinegar. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and again, uh, we were talking about this last week. That means then on a shelf when you see that next to sarsens or something <laughs> like that, uh, actually it's a different product. That you know that has its place because you're using it for certain things. But but this is different. It is yes, and um, we've been asked many times why why take the time to do it so slowly when you could accelerate the process but we had the vinegars tested at um, a research laboratory in york and um, called the bio renewables development center and they did a thing aroma and flavor profile testing and against some standard vinegars that uh, we provided and what they found was uh, to maybe a handful half a dozen sort of flavor compounds in the standard vinegars ours across six of our vinegars there was over 60 different flavor compounds involved so um, wow. there's sort of scientific proof that they're more complex in flavor um, and we believe it's because we make the wine of each of the ingredients so we have a wine for every one of our products before before you, oh. and so they're not an infused vinegar there it's wild garlic wine that's then become wild garlic wine vinegar <laughs> wow that's absolutely fascinating you mentioned the mother we all talk about the mother and you know mm. you're supposed to buy vinegars with the mother what is the mother though the mother is um is a word that's uh, or phrase that's used to kind of sum up the acetobacteria. It's effectively a live uh, bacterial culture. What sometimes happens when you're making vinegar, especially in the way that we do it, is the, the mother manifests itself as a sort of gelatinous um, big jelly on top of the, the vinegar, surface of the vinegar. It's kind of an odd thing to see. Um, and so that's often referred to as the mother of vinegar, this, this sort so, of jelly. So what does it do then? Uh, it naturally occurs, but, but, but is that the bit that you take out and then you use it again and then you use it again? Yes, yes. Effectively, like you can use that. Yeah, the bacteria is keeping, as long as you feed it alcohol, it will keep making acid. Um, so, Sounds like my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so our process is to have a, a sort of um, vinegar alcohol mix. And as that ferments into holy acid, we take some of it away and then replace it with some more alcohol. So it's just a continual process. So how long has the company been going? We formed the company in 2019. Um, but there was a few years preceding that where we'd been making homebrewed wines and so technically though that those vinegars the base of them are a few years old because yes you're exactly yeah yeah and that then refine that accentuates the taste even more you're, you're building up the taste year after year yeah the maturation is a really important part of the process so we make a wine so right now we've made wild garlic and rhubarb just recently it's elderflower season coming up so we're making those and typically they will mature for um at least eight to nine months um 
possibly more. Some of them are over 18 months before we get to using them. Vinegar transformation process itself is another at least a month. Um, it's like making whiskey, isn't it? Blimey. Yeah. And, and gin. Then, you and make then, gin quicker than that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we put that vinegar back on the uh, original ingredients just to boost the flavour even further. So when you see balsamic vinegars, and, and some of them are sometimes like 10 or 12 or 15, huge pricing, mm-hmm. that's because literally it's been ageing for sometimes a decade yes and hence yes that's why the cost is there yeah i think i read it to be a true one it's a minimum of 12 years no, i think right, and, okay. and it wow, goes yeah. through a series of um casks and barrels and so on and yeah yeah gradually sort of um i can't yeah, maturing. To taste those vinegars <laughs> but i'm just going to ask i'm just going to ask claire a question first now i know you do sourdough crackers we're going to talk all about your crackers later yeah. but sourdough is a, is a fermentation process too and there's a mother for that isn't there yeah exactly it's very similar to what we've just been discussing um it's a natural process of fermentation so Our sourdough mother is a mixture of flour and water um, and it naturally ferments due to wild yeast in the air and on the flour and bacteria that's just naturally present. And that fermentation is what would cause sourdough bread to rise versus a commercial yeast. So it's a much slower process. It takes us 16 hours to ferment our sourdough, whereas, you know, if you're using yeast in a product, you, you barely need to leave any time at all in the process. That's what makes a difference for the taste, though, isn't it, AJ? Definitely. And I read somewhere that your sourdough starter's ancient, isn't it? Yeah, so it's um, it's over 45 years old now. So, wow. yeah, it's just this mixture that we've been keeping going all that time. We feed it every single day with more flour put it under and lock water. and key. <laughs> it's valuable. <laughs> we have a big tank at the bakery. Yeah, um, make sure nobody gets it, anywhere near it. <laughs> yeah. Does it really, if someone goes on holiday, you've got to get someone in to babysit it and keep, yeah, keep feeding it? Yeah, honestly, it's like a pet. Yeah. <laughs> Every single day of the year, it, <laughs> yeah. needs, it needs that feeding. Amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I, I have a friend here called Jan Hawkins, who's from America. Uh, she's from Pittsburgh, and she's a listener, to, has been listening to this program. We're going to ask her to um, be our helper today. So, Jan, do you mind awfully? We're going to taste the vinegars first. So, we're going to go for the elderflower first, if that's okay. If if you wouldn't mind just... This, this, yes, I, spreading those out Jan that's amazing I just had a little slug of one of these before you came and choked and coughed which I clearly can't do on the radio tell me how I should taste yeah, this so I don't make an idiot of myself first of all have a good smell to get your sort of nose associated Ooh, with it I can actually um, smell elderflower and then oh, wow. just put a little bit on the front of your mouth and then just gently let it roll back um uh, and the more we taste the more you'll get used to the taste of acid in your mouth but the first one's always a bit of a, a kick I can taste elderflower on that. It's so floral, isn't it? Even the smell's floral. Yeah, it's a real. It's it's the first one we ever made. It's my still my favourite. I have these quite strong childhood memories of making elderflower champagne with with my mum and the fizzy bubbles, and it's just like the taste of spring, early summer, and yeah, long sure. long nights. It smells of English countryside to me. Mm. Yeah, mm. beautiful. Uh, what's the next one? What we've got? Orange and lemon. Can we have one of those, Jan? Uh, how do you decide to, to you know what flavors to use you just uh, really, you've got yeah, a garden or something yes <laughs> um i think we we started with some base ones um thank you we made um lots of different ones we've made several that haven't even made it into the range but the notion of a seasonal calendar emerged where we would have 12 flavors across the year because oh, we were okay. picking yeah picking berries and fruits and flowers and bot blossoms and so on at different times of year so we sort of aligned with this aj you're a taste expert um just talk to us about this orange and lemon well you get citrus up front and then it turns into like a honey 
real kind of honey mm. nectar kind of a flavor which is just incredible yeah so there's different types of oranges um we've imported um oranges and lemons from um through the crowd farming scheme from some independent organic farmers in in spain now this next one i'm very excited by uh, again, do you want to do a quick description, AJ, about sort of what it looks like? Well, this one has the most beautiful, rich, reddy, purpley, almost wine-like look to it, doesn't Thank it? You. It really looks like beetroot. Claire, smell that. What do you that think? It smells delicious. It does. smells like vegetable oh, patch, doesn't it? smells earthy and really uh, fresh. Well, if you don't like beetroot, you're going to hate this. But if you like beetroot, have a little <laughs> taste. AJ, your face. Oh, oh wow. It's sort of sweet and earthy and with that lovely oh. acidic kick. Now, would you put, so if I was roasting beetroot, would you put a drizzle of that on when it goes in the oven? Absolutely, you could do oh. that. Yeah, I think um, spritzing it onto roasts and so on is a really good way of using vinegars for sure. We've got um, uh, one of our favourite recipes with the beetroot is to use it with cheese, um, with halloumi cheese. So Ooh. if you fried some halloumi cheese and then deglaze the pan with a bit of vinegar and a bit of stock and a tiny bit of sugar perhaps and then use that sauce back on the on the fried cheese it's delicious oh, wow. <laughs> maybe chuck a couple of capers in <laughs> so that was a beautiful red wine color now the next one we have is wild garlic in my house we have so much wild garlic we don't know what to do with it it has a, an amazing smell when you just walk through it um so yes. if you're in some local woods around the UK somewhere you can always smell when it's when it's wild garlic season um and you've taken this and put vinegar I don't think I've ever seen wild garlic vinegar no nor have I so this is this oh, is a really smell. interesting one yeah some of them the wines are delicious wines and sometimes we wonder why we turn them into <laughs> yeah, vinegar yeah. but wild garlic wine isn't a wine you'd want to drink at all it's a very <laughs> pungent um sort of kind of crazy uh, smelling and tasting liquid but um when when it becomes acidified the depth of the garlic comes back in mm. but it's more vegetably than bulb garlic that you would you know normally have because i find wild garlic is quite acidic anyway if i use it instead of basil or something in cooking i find it has a very very different flavor profile to garlic doesn't mm. it yeah so the thing with garlic if you can chop the leaves and actually chop them very very finely and sprinkle them over they're quite strong but actually as soon as you cook them the, the garlic flavor mm. does tone down a bit it makes great soup i mean mm. it makes fantastic soup this is really interesting now, slightly different. Again, do you want to just do a quick explain there, uh, uh, AJ? Well, this one, is this called Sweet Winter Spice? And it's a, it's a lot darker than, or quite a lot darker than some of the other ones we've tasted. Very isn't deep it? golden. Mm. So the, the story behind this one is um, a friend of ours, their, their mother was a, a winemaker and she won awards for Christmas pudding It smells wine. like Christmas, doesn't it? <laughs> and so it she, she, would, she would ferment a Christmas pudding and turn it into a wine. Close. And we took the essence of that. Um, so the, the, the kind of ingredients you would get in a Christmas pudding, we fermented those. Um, and so there's some, yeah, cloves, cinnamon, a bit of citrus. What would you use that for? <laughs> it's quite nice just to drink here. Yeah. Um, red cabbage, um, oh, yes. stewed red cabbage, yeah. a few drops in that. That's that's a really good use of it. Yeah. Oh, Could yes. you put it over ice cream? Some of these we what? have definitely tried with ice cream. Yeah. So good. If you haven't tried it, really, a really good quality vinegar like this over ice On cream. Ice cream, absolutely incredible. Um, the black currant, we haven't got that one today, but um, with ice cream, if you just get the balance right, then you don't really get the taste of vinegar at all. You just get the acidity, which really lifts, lifts the, it up. the dish. Yeah. Strawberries as well, possibly. Yeah, yeah, that would work. Black pepper. Final one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tasting marathon. <laughs> mm. 
I'm really sorry, but you brought loads with you, and I wasn't going to only have two. No chance. <laughs> I can't see the label. What have we got there? This Angel? one is much clearer in colour, and it's called the ginger wine vinegar. Ginger. Oh, wow. I love a ginger wine. Now that's very. Can you smell that? Yeah, it's got a lovely scent. Mm. Oh, <laughs> <Your> whoa! <laughs> Is it's that, got a good kick, hasn't I'm it? I'm swigging yes. it. I'm swigging it now. I've gone past it. I the just yeah. putting it on your lips because you, I'm acclimatising, so I'm just swigging it like a drink. Now. I just swigged the whole thing by accident. But that's, <laughs> absolutely, it's got an incredible burn, hasn't it? Even five, ten seconds later, I can oh, still feel that. Oh, that's my favourite. Yeah, so we were really proud with that one. That, was, that got um, a great taste award, two-star one. We were over the moon with that. And again, yeah, you mentioned ginger wine. It's Sarah's late father. It was his sort of favourite tipple. And that was the inspiration to have a, a ginger-based one. And we even, we've grown the ginger to, to go in it, which we, I'd never done that Can before. Can you grow but ginger in this country? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, yeah. You take a, a ginger kind of root and um, let it, chit like a potato it oh. sort of starts to sprout and then plant it and it's, it's a tuber basically it grows as a tuber the stalks are really nice they look quite bamboo like this is quite a decorative plant and um obviously the the root is, is amazing know that? do you have to keep it warm it likes warmth yeah but we started ours just on a windowsill inside indoors in right. sort of february march time and um and then we put it outside you know through the summer and we're, we're up in yorkshire so just, and <laughs> it's so grew, a new so managed yeah <laughs> so, so you can buy like normal ginger from supermarket and just chit let it so chit just let bit yeah you could leave it beans, in a, just leave it out for a month and, and yeah and you should see like you get potato eyes coming up you know yeah they're like um the green stalks just starts to yeah. emerge from the, and then you the plant tuber. it in some soil try that i'm gonna try that as well yeah. i love ginger <laughs> i do too now to offset the vinegar claire what have you brought with her with you i've brought a selection of our sourdough crackers um so we've got our original recipe we've got our fig and spelt our rosemary and sea salt and our rye and charcoal. And I've also bought some of my favourite cheeses because you can't have crackers without cheese. Claire, we just, we love you. <laughs> me and AJ. And, uh, me and AJ and cheese, we're straight in there. <laughs> so for anybody who's not familiar with Peter's Yard, it's a uh, uh, quite distinctive packaging. It's got a gate on it. Yeah. It's, it's a sort of logo. Where did the, um, why Peter's Yard? What's the sort of history of that? So it all started with Peter himself. So Peter Lundqvist, uh, he's a Swedish man. He was just really passionate about food and sourdough bread and baking. And he set up a bakery uh, in the Swedish countryside just to kind of revive traditional methods of baking with a friend. And at the same time, um, two friends, Ian and Wendy, left corporate jobs and they wanted to start their own business and Ian was married to a Swede and had lived in Sweden and just become completely, you know, in, fell in love with these Swedish bakeries from his time there. Um, so they went on a research trip to Sweden uh, to think about setting up their own cafe. And everybody said, have you met Peter? So they, they went and met him and they were captivated by all these products in his bakery, one of which was uh, the sourdough crackers here. Uh, and they just thought this is incredible you've got to make this available more widely. You can't just be selling it in one bakery. Um, so they spent an evening at his house uh, <laughs> where his, where the I'm, I'm wandering his shop <laughs> and he like and, um, staying the night. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> Give they us all your this, secrets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had this lovely evening sharing good food and talking and basically together decided to form Peter's Yard Crackers here in the UK and start making the crisp bread available to more people. And then... 
at that point. They started off in a really small production, making it all by hand. Um, and as demand grew, they kind of needed to scale things up. So joined with a fourth business partner who had a bakery uh, in London where we could make the product. Excellent, excellent. Now, you, why have you bought four different crackers and four different pieces of cheese? So the original product is what came from Sweden. So um, that's the round one, which is still our best selling product. And it's a very neutral product. So in all honesty, it does pair with with all types of cheeses. But as we've kind of developed the range and developed our products, we've always had in mind different styles of cheese and wanting to put flavors that will complement and enhance the cheese, not overpower it. So things like the fig in our uh, fig and spelt, you know, that just works really beautifully with the blue cheese. Got um, Dorston goat's cheese here. Oh, I think Dorsten. that pairs really beautifully with our uh, rosemary and sea salt crackers. Okay, so Dorston fun. is a re- I mean, you can get that at Neil Dairy. Mm. Is that where you got it from? La Fromagerie, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, lovely uh, cheese shop. Good cheese shops, thank yeah. you. Um, beautifully made goat's cheese. So goat's cheese normally has a sort of lemon profile. Yeah. It goes with, with rosemary. Yeah, I think it's just a sort of fresh, herbaceous flavours go quite well with that fresh style of cheese and mm. the pairing just I don't know it really works I think mm. um and yeah the, the texture of this cheese as well is sort of lovely and moussey um which is quite nice with the crispness of the cracker mm. not really stop eating AJ sorry it's <laughs> so good mm. <laughs> it's the crispness of the cracker though it's exactly what you say that's mm. always made me love Peter's yard that yeah just... they're very crisp it is, yeah. The texture. I think that's where you come from. That 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 Swedish background. It's they used to be crisper breads. Yes, and that's what yeah. they were. They the were Swedish word knäckebröd. That's a literal translation. It's um, crisp bread, yeah. yeah. Next one. Uh, next. Not that I'm being greedy or anything. <laughs> Why don't we move on to the Ryan charcoal? So these are a, a striking black colour. Um, they look one. like uh, granite. Yeah. The very thin slices of granite. So they're sort of black with speckles of, of, of white in. Great on a cheese board because they're so stunning to look at, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And it, it is really about the visual. So that we've got with um, Baron Bygard. <gasps> Baron yeah. Bygard, that's one of my favourites as well. So that's one of the, the best British camembert type cheese ever. Don't have camembert, listeners. Forget the French yeah. bit. Baron Bigod, amazing. Yeah. So that's made in Suffolk. Oh, that cheese is so creamy, isn't it? And the, the this cracker, what what did you say it was made of? Charcoal. Yeah, and this <laughs> recipe also has um, it has a bit of butter in it as well, which makes it, I think, um, work quite well with the butteriness of that cheese. Um, but the charcoal, it's just an activated charcoal powder, so it really is about the striking black colour. But sometimes charcoal can be quite gritty <coughs> in texture. But I think when you mix it with the butter and the fat. Um, we think our charcoal cracker is not, you know, quite as gritty as others on the market. And it feels healthy. It feels like it probably is good for you as well as delicious. Yeah. Well, there's lots of um, sort of theories around charcoal being good for kind of gut health and that mm. sort of thing and almost like a filter in the body. Um, yeah. I have to say, charcoal crackers are not for me. It's quite a distinct taste. Quite distinct, isn't I mean, it? They're beautifully made. Yeah. They are. People love them or hate them. I think mm. they can be a bit like Marmite. Mm. We're now going to go for the, the my favourite, which is the sourdough. Yeah, crackers. that is my favourite as well, Thank actually. You. Yeah, mine too. I think it's just, um, it's it's a subtleness. So this has very few ingredients in it. Um, just the flour, uh, fresh milk, honey, sea salt and the sourdough. Um, so. Is this Montgomery cheddar? 
this is Westcombe cheddar. Westcombe. But yeah, Just another great good. Somerset cheddar. Yeah. And again, you get a great saltiness with the cheese and then fab crackers. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's There's just so much flavour. Mm. You know, like what Andrew was saying about all these different flavour profiles. For something so simple, it has its own flavour profile. I can literally eat those sourdough crackers completely as they are. Yeah, it's got a real depth, which I think comes back to the fermentation. Um, mm. You know, if you compare sourdough bread to the sliced bread, it's a There's Andrew chomping thing. away there. What's your... <laughs> What's your view, Andrew? It's completely Delicious. absorbed in the <laughs> Nice combination, don't you think? Mm. I'm a big cheese fan, but these crackers are just set the cheese off amazingly. And it, the crispness is, is quite, I mean, it's perfect. It's really crisp. Yeah. Right. So, final one. Final Let's get the, the blue the out. Spell. Have we got Bolton? Colston Bassett. Yeah, I thought yeah. I could spot that a mile away. <laughs> Thank you so much. <clears throat> um, again, when you've got sort of like a nice British... Um, you need blue mm. cheese. Why are you pairing it with this one? Well, so the the fig and spelt have figs in, obviously, which yeah. um, have a natural sweetness, and also they have honey. Um, so I think it's that real balance that you get with blue cheeses with that slight mm. saltiness. It's almost like salted caramel. The, the sweet and saltiness together just works really beautifully. You can hear on the microphones, we're all crackling away because they are. <laughs> they're so sort of crisp. Now, I never thought, AJ, of pairing different cheeses with different crackers, and it works so well. It makes complete sense now we're doing think it. Think about it. I think, <laughs> why haven't I thought about this before? Mm. But you do sometimes get a selection of crackers, don't you? And there are those moments where you just go... Oh. Yeah, but I just go, oh, I'll just, I like that cracker. I'll go for that with all of my cheeses. I don't think, you know, I, I, right, I'm going to set those crackers out with that cheese. Was, was this slight uh, sweetness, mm. slightly honey fig... That, that just goes so well with the blue cheese. I wouldn't have thought of it mm. at all. It's brilliant, isn't it? I love mm. that there's a whole flavour wheel that you can actually, you know, you mm. could do this at home if if you didn't feel confident creating the combinations yourself. It's really great. Yeah. So we have that on our website as well. And we've kind of designed it to be about, you know, the crackers and the cheese. But also we've added some other suggestions for accompaniments if people want to get experimental. So um, this is excellent. So it's got a fig and spelt sourdough crackers. It is literally a wheel that you can, you can spin around. It's going so it with blue could be still, you know, whatever, British blue, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, pears would go brilliantly with that on your cheese board. Yeah. Mm. Really don't need much else. And, you know, for example, if you've got a nutty, fruity English cheddar, British cheddar, uh, hazelnuts with the poppy seed sourdough crackers. Absolutely amazing. So you need to get this on the website because it just mm. tells you what to do. It takes all the thinking out of it Marvelous. yeah it makes you know having a cheese board quite a fun interactive yeah. thing i think at a dinner party so you can get that on your website yeah i can't believe it but the program's coming to an end can you imagine we're going to have a bit of a party i think yes, <laughs> when please. we when we turn it lunch off. is sorted a lunch is definitely <laughs> sorted no need to go out to the little sandwich co- shot around the corner uh, today so just tell us a little bit more claire about peter's yard it's literally available in almost every super- supermarket now isn't it well, so we're in Waitrose, uh, Ocado, Sainsbury's and Morrison's. Um, yeah, and we're in lots and lots of amazing independent farm shops and delis across the yeah. country as well. So if you really like that crisp, um, crunchy stuff, mm. goes really, really well, I think. Um, so uh, we'll put links onto Peter's Yard website, of course, on the show. Andrew Dufer, Slow Vinegar Company. I need that in my life. Where do I get <laughs> hold of it? Again, from our website, so slowvinegarcompany.co.uk. Um, we are stocked in um, 50, 60 or 
shops up and down the country, but we've just started working with the Fine Cheese Company ah. um, in Bath, and um, they are hopefully going to extend our reach um, to Perfect. some more retailers. Down south. So um, up north, look for that around uh, all around Yorkshire, Lancashire, I'm guessing. Or yeah, there, and Cumbria. London and the southwest that we've been selling to yeah, quite doesn't seem to be regionally specific at the moment <laughs> good that's good and the packaging is fabulous really really beautiful. really good you yeah. could give that to someone as a gift yeah it's just beautiful or i'd put one of those on the table with with a great um you know british oil mm. maybe some some really stunning rapeseed uh, rapeseed oil mm. uh, and just let people help themselves to drizzle over a nice salad mm. Perfect. Well, I have that tonight, actually. I've got salad tonight, <laughs> if I'm allowed to steal one. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. And as you know, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Audible, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. That was great. Thank you to my fellow presenter, AJ. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Jan Hawkins, who's our little server today. Uh, all the way over from America and to our partners the lovely people at Produced in Kent uh, if you want to listen to hundreds of past podcasts on the topics or get links to our lovely guests today go on to foodtalk.co.uk have a good week which cheese are you going for first AJ? Oh, I think I'm going to go yeah I'm going to very good <laughs>